So a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I did a long lesson on how to put Jesus first in our life. And, and I, I said this on a Wednesday night, sometimes we just have to go back to basics because some of you are very smart and very intelligent and you've been in church for a long time and some of you are barely in the door. You're just barely in the door. And thank you for barely being in the door. So, so like today, I want to talk about simple things. And simple things, and I, I don't know about you, but really, I like to watch Sesame Street. I learn things. That's how the drummer, like the drummer animal, he mixes Count Dracula with the animal. One, two. That's how he learned to play the drums. But even simple things, you can relearn things. Somebody texted me right after the Wednesday night message, and they asked this, how should we as Christians be in the world and not be of it? And what does it mean not to be of it? All right. So we are Christians. So if you don't know this, the word Christian, the suffix is, is, is submitted to the prefix, I-N, like Ephesians, Corinthians, and all these things. So it means I obey the prefix. So if you are a Christian, you will obey the laws of Christ. Not First Baptist, Second Baptist, Assembly of God, Pentecostal holiness, and all these things. If we are Christians and we've been saved by the blood of Christ, wouldn't it make sense that a church building did not save you? A church doctrine did not save you. Water baptism did not save you. Even though it has its part, and we talked about this, but if Christ is the one that saved you once and for all, wouldn't it just make sense that it's him that we ought to obey? So somebody said, well, then what part of the Bible should I start with? If I was you, I would just take a King James Version and read everything in red. And if you'll do that, you'll do good for a long time. And for the rest of you that forgot about it, go back and do the same thing. Just go back to square one and do everything that Jesus said. And I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll make your journey a little bit better. So the question is, how should we as Christians be in the world and not be of it? And number two, what does it mean not to be of it? That's a great question. And so for the guy that's here this morning, thank you for the question. And in, in seven minutes, I want to answer that question. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. I know there's, there's the rest of this scripture, and you do not want me, and I will deal with this in a week, but this is, this is where we're beginning. Be not, as Christians, conformed to this world, but be transformed. And I know it says, by the renew of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we'll deal with that later on, but this is where we begin. How we as Christians can be in a world, and he tells us not to love the world, because John 8 said, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It gets very confusing, doesn't it? So unless you really are a good surgeon of the scriptures, you're going to confuse. Because one time Jesus said, don't love the world. And the next time he says, love the world. So what do we should do? So the idea is this. This is how we begin. How can we be in a world as Christians? How can we be in it and not be of it? There are two Greek words that are used, that they use in classical Greek, number one, that will describe a, a, a thing or a person. So in the Greek, there are two words that are used in classical Greek. Number, there are two words that are used to describe a place or thing, and one is conformed and one is transformed. Now, the reason why the Apostle Paul puts this in there because he strategically puts it 
And, we, and the Greeks thought everybody else was barbarians. He called them barbars. Barbars means that they're just illiterate and ignorant people if they don't speak classical Greek. So the Greeks prided themselves in wisdom. They were very smart. So when you get to these words of conform to transform, you think he's just throwing words in there, and he's not. He's, 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 very, he's, very, he's, very, he's very precise in his words. And the people of Rome knew this. So I'm going to explain to you that how we can be in this world and what does it mean. Number one, the word conform, the, the, the prefix of it is con. And, and the Greek word for con means to be with. to be in agreement, to be allies with, to fit in. The word conform, by definition, the complete word means schemazo, where we get a word for schematic drawing, where we get a root word for scheme. And scheme doesn't always mean negative, a Schematic or scheme means a drawing or a blueprint, a design, a plan, or a blueprint. In simple language, it basically means the way that something wants you to become. Anybody here has ever been in the electrical, the carpenter business? You, I mean, it's not a joke, okay, all right. You go, you go to a big corporation and they say, here's the blueprint, and you go, well, I thought we were going to just do this on the fly. No, we're not. Well, I thought you were just going to let me the way that I wanted to do it. No, I'm not. Here's the blueprint, schemazo, schematic drawing, and this is what we want you to do. We want you to conform to what's on this piece of paper. And so he's first of all telling us as Christians, when he says don't be, by definition it means do not be or Quit allowing the world to mold you into a mold. See? Now, I wrote this here. Schema has everything to do with externals. Outward appearances and something molded into a specific shape. Schema has everything to do with externals. Outwardly, the shell, the form, the skin color, height, weight, everything has to do. So when you talk about somebody and you say, well, that's Catherine. Well, first of all, you see her wearing a yellow shirt and what color is your hair this week? Yeah, it's that color this week. And, but really, that's not her at all. The real her is on the inside of that shell. And what Paul is telling the church here, he's saying, listen, you've got to quit being or stop allowing the world. And this word world is not cosmos, it's aeon. It means a dispensation of time. I mean, isn't it amazing back when we were in high school, bell bottoms was installed in the 80s and went out, and the 90s and went out, and now then they're back in style. Don't ever throw clothes away because they'll come back in style. But you know what? Mood rings. You know, you know, Ben, you know what a moon ring is? Becky, where a moon ring, she put it on, it's green, and when she hits you top of the head, it turned red. You understand that. <laughs> Depends what kind of mood she was in. 
This word aeon has everything to do, when you say the world, you're thinking about pimps and prostitutes and plumbers and liquor stores. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the religious world and all their demands. And Apostle Paul said, if you really want to make a difference in the world, if you really want to be salt and light, the first thing you've got to do is don't allow the religious society that you're around form you into a specific box. Now, now, now for you that are visioned here, listen, we are, I am not a lawless preacher. What I mean by that is lawless. It doesn't mean like external laws and rules and regulations. Now we ask you to come and be decent and, and pay attention and, and wear clothes that match and don't wear OSU clothing here. I understand that, but, but we're asking you, we're, we're, but we're telling you we're not putting demands on you that, that, will, that will compromise what's really important is on the inside of you. So <clears throat> the Jews back then, all the weight of a man's relationship with God was external. Say, it was external. So, I mean, we, I was going to say something, I'm not, because we got young kids in here, so I'm not going to say this. So, and I hate it, we got young kids, because I need to say this, but I can't say it. So, so what happens is, is that schema means it has everything to do with externals. So, when you read this, first thing you're thinking is, so the way that I get this right is that if I am not supposed to follow any rules or regulations of the church world or the religious world or even the natural world, if I do the opposite, I'll be right. Right? Wrong. So let me get this right. As you as a Christian in the world and the influences in the world, by just doing the opposite what the world does doesn't necessarily make you right. Right? Or is that, yeah, that's right. Don't confuse me. I just got one eye working right now. So, so the idea is this. <clears throat> so if you really don't have a working relationship with Christ and you're confused and you've been raised in a church and they gave you all these lists and demands of do and what to do and what not to do and all these things and you're just exhausted, as Jesus said, come to me, those that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You're exhausted by trying to perform? I got some good news for you. You don't have to perform anymore. So, so, but for those that are struggling with this, you're saying, so if I am not to do what the world does, if I'll just do the opposite of what the world does, I'll be right. And that's wrong. So it's like this. If the world says to wear buttons and bows, then we won't. Yeah. And if the world says, put on lipstick, then we don't. And if the world says, love your cats like yourself, then we can't. <laughs> the idea of this is that when I grew up in church, I, I understood the gospel of no. No TV, no bowling, you couldn't fish on Sunday. For God's sake, you couldn't go play pool anywhere. It was just no, 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 no. And I, one day I asked the question, then what can I do? You gave me all the no's. I asked a Sunday school teacher one time. We, I, was, I was in charge of the youth department, and I was going to take the kids to the bowling alley. And boy, he had a deacon seven. You, 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 and he told me, he said, you're not going to take them. And I said, well, why not? And he said, because I said, I'm, a, I'm the deacon of the church. And I think I said, well, who died and left you, God? I mean, what's the deal here? We're just going to go bowling. 
And you know what he said? That's what he told me. He said, well, I'm going to give you a little story, young man. I said, well, I'm sure that was coming. And he said, when I was about your age, I gambled at playing pool, and I gambled at bowling, and I smoked cigarettes at bowling, and I chased wild women and drank beer in a bowling alley. And I said, and? What has that got to do with me taking teenagers to go bowling? He said, because there's temptations there. <clears throat> you see what I'm dealing with? You see why I'm still in therapy over them people? <laughs> the apostle Paul said, there's really no sin within sin itself. He said, it's not what goes into a man that, that corrupts a man. It's what comes out. He's telling you all things are really permissible. Not everything that goes into your life is profitable. Aren't you glad we had the working of the Holy Spirit to help us to weed out the Jesus from the junk? And I'm not going to get up here and tell you the things you can't do and the things you can do. Listen, if the Holy Spirit can't do that, I'm not wasting my time with you. You're too far gone. So just saying the schema, the externals is saying, well, listen, if the world does it, don't do it. If the world agrees, don't do it. That's not what he's talking about at all. He said, don't base your Christian lifestyle just to a set of rules of don't. We've been called to do something beyond conformity. We've been called into a lifestyle of transformation. See, <clears throat> just to show that you're different from somebody doesn't make you a disciple. Well, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't hang around the girls who do. Congratulations. So I, I told this story one time, but I first got in church. Now, I'll tell you what, I don't smoke. I just got in church. Gail and I got in church. We went to Assembly of God Church, didn't know anything. It was a small church. Had about 35, 40 people there, and for some reason, they wouldn't put me on the church board. I had no idea. That was a bad mistake because back then, I had no filter in, in what I said. I didn't cuss anymore, but I would speak my mind to them. So about three weeks into the thing, we found out that the, I gave my life to Christ. The next Sunday, the pastor got up and resigned, and he was a great guy giving and loving and kind and generous. He married Gail and I. Somehow, I just felt like he believed in me. And so, I mean, really, I mean, we, we had, we, he married us and, and nine months, 10 months later, he married us. We come to church. So we got married in December. He married us. And then we didn't really get in church till October and get saved, but I wanted to go to that church. Well, that's where she wanted to go. I didn't want to go, but she went. And that morning, we gave our life to Christ. All right, so watch this. So two weeks later, they're going to have a church baptism. And I didn't know how this worked, but they had a deacon board. And so the deacon board was going to get thumbs up or thumbs down. The people won't be baptized. Well, I didn't understand anything about that. And there was a guy in that church, been there a long time, been there a long time, older guy, been there a long time. And uh, they, they brought in a, a, a man and woman. They got saved that morning, gave their life to Christ. We were there. And they were going over the cards of baptism. That's what it said. Do you smoke? Or do you, you know, back then, they asked, do you go to the movies? Maybe you don't know this. If you've been in this church, you don't know this. But there was boxes you had to check. Huh? Really? I mean, do, do you go to the movies? Do you dance? Huh? Okay. Do you smoke? It had a questionnaire. I mean, you, it looked like you're filling out a form to go to work for the government. And they checked. They just got saved that morning. They were middle-aged. And they checked that we smoke. <clears throat> and I think they even checked we dance. Well, boy, I mean, 
And I don't know what else they checked. They wouldn't let me look at the card. And so this guy stood up and said, well, we're not going to baptize them. And I said, and, I just, and, and the pastor, you know, he was some weak noodle. And he said, all right. And I said, I got a question. How come? And he looked at me and he had his glasses down. He said, what do you mean, how come? I said, how come we're not going to baptize them? I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> there were six of them in there, been in the church a long time. And he said, they smoke. And a guy made this statement. He said, Alvin, and Alvin was about 5'7", weighed 360, 70 pounds. And someone said, well, what's the difference between smoking and gluttony? And he got real quiet. See, I'm telling you that we've been called as a life of Christ, as a Christian, to do more than just check boxes of things that we got right. Because I will tell you, if we really knew the things you got wrong, we'd all be out of luck. So he said, don't let the world or the religious world put you in such of a box that it, it, it constrains you and they want you to fit in. Now, let me back this up. I am a proponent of the Word of God, and if it does not line up with the Word of God in context, I will tell you, I will combat it till the day I die. But if you've heard me say this, and I'm going to say it because we have a visitor, whoever that is, don't raise your hand, but you can, you can get off I-35 at 75 miles an hour, and you can get on the loop, and you'll see a yellow and black sign that says 45. You can still go 75. Ask me how I know that because my wife speeds a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's in yellow and black, it's for your safety, but it's not law. If it's in white and black, it's law. The Bible is filled with 90% of yellow and black signs, and it's telling you, you'd be best not to do this. You'd be best not to, to do that and do this. Remember what he said in the garden? He told Adam, he said, if you eat this tree, you shall what? He said, you shall what? He did not say, I'll kill you. Did you ever pick up on any of that? He said, Adam, I'll tell you, I'll give you everything, but if you eat this tree, it, it, the consequences are going to happen. The consequence of sin and death and separation is going to happen. But he didn't say, I'll kill you. So I'm just telling you, there's signs in yellow and black that says, listen, it, the smartest thing you can do is probably not do this. But there's some things that are in white and black, and, and I'll tell you, they are laws. They're not laws of the Old Testament. They're the laws of God. So he said, don't allow anything to mold you in and conform you to just to outwardly appearances to, to, to be the approval of, of what's something that may not be there on the inside. So he says, be transformed. So the word transformation or transform, the word trans, the prefix means above and beyond. 
The word conform, it means to be in agreement with. Don't be in agreement with every one that's in the church and every, every doctrine and new wave of movement comes along. Don't, don't get in agreement. If it's outside the word of God, run from it. And if you're new here, if you're coming here, listen, this is all I do. I just preach biblical principles and that's all I do. We don't have a smoke machine. We don't have a strobe light. We ain't got none of that stuff. But you know what? All I really need is just Christ and his word and the Holy Spirit. And that will sustain every one of us, even in our dark days. It's the truth. So we just haven't been called to live a lifestyle of conformity and nonconformity. Well, we don't do this, and we don't dance, and we don't do that, and we don't do that, and we don't do that, so we must be good. Not so fast, my friend. Because Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said, you got all the external things right, but inside you're like a tomb. You're empty. There's only one sin that will send you to hell, and that is the sin of not accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. So he's called us to a life of of transformation. So transformation, by definition in the Greek language, it means from above. We are called to another standard of living. Transformed has everything to do with now internal things. God says this, watch this. The difference between you and the religious world is they base their whole experience with God on external things. Now, we're not going to embarrass anybody, but Gala's family was raised United Pentecostal Wholeness. I don't know if anybody's ever been here that's been to United Pentecostal Wholeness, but I'll always tell you the truth. They had the church next door, a little country church. All Gala's family customers there. The preacher would meet the ladies with the tape measure at the back door, at the door, to make sure their dress was about two inches off the ground. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you to wear miniskirts. I mean, Don, I'm not asking you to do anything, but I'm just telling you, we should do everything with decency and modesty. But you see, they base everything on external things. No makeup, high hair, no, no this, no that, no jewelry, none of that. But I'll say this in a very kind way, looking at this section right there. I'm not for sure what they did inside the church, but a couple times outside the church, there was a lot of hate and biting, chomping and devouring going on. Yes, sir. And I'm being nice. And they would look down their nose of self-righteousness and say, and, and somebody told my wife one time, even went to this church, you better get them kudlots off, girl. He told her, told my wife, and kudos, if you don't know, is long in between shorts and front breeches. I don't know. Knickers. I don't know what they were. Gulots. I don't know. <laughs> and it didn't take me about three seconds to shove him out the back door and, and explain to him the facts of life. So if you're not careful, you, you can get yourself in a place where that, that you, you mistake outwardly things because Romans 14 says the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. But what is it? Righteousness? Joy? 
in the Holy Spirit and peace. Don't be so overwhelmed on the external things. Because if you follow me around on the external thing, you, you say, oh, man, my goodness, he's, he's not that. But I will tell you, inside of me, I'm righteous with Christ. I've got the peace of God. And I've got the joy of the Holy Spirit. And pardon me if I don't do the, the outwardly things exactly the way that you want me to do, but, but I will tell you there's something wonderful that's going There's a transformation going on inside my life, inside your life right now. So what it means to be transformed, by definition, is called metamorphosis. The Holy Spirit inside helps us to deal with, go ahead, Jordan, honesty, holiness, humility, integrity, obedience, and moral conduct. Conformity means that you're allowing something on the outside to be shaped and molded. But transformation says there is something that is happening on the inside. There's something that, so the, 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 the Greek word for metamorphosis, you, we didn't show this, but meta means a cross and morphe means morphu. It means to, to change. And you put them both together, it means that you're changing across or into something constantly. So here's the deal. My wife and I, we cruise a lot. And I like it. It's all right. You know why? Because I get to be with my little bride. Now, you do what you want to. You can stay home on the back porch and you, you can whittle sticks. I don't care what you do. You can chase chickens around. I don't care what you do. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So just whatever you want to do it, do it. But if you ever go to like Cozumel, which they all go to Cozumel, that right through Cozumel, they have a place called uh, uh, Puerto Mayo. And Puerto Mayo is just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's just, it's just kind of like Norman and Moore, but not really. It's just, it's just connected. See, anybody, I know Brian has been there. And, and so anyway, so here's the deal. A few years ago, it's kind of like going to the, uh, it's kind of like going to, uh, the, the Arch and Craft Show. See, I, I, I don't even say those words. Mall, Arch and Craft Show. Anybody go to the Arch and Craft Show? You got vendors set up. Yeah, you got vendors set up. Yeah, we don't go. I mean, there's a sign that says men should not come in here. I understand that. So, so you got all these vendors set up. And, 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 and so it's really funny. So here we go. So this is talking about, listen, the emphasis is on the inside. The emphasis is on the inside. Would you agree to that? And it doesn't mean that we just should stay at home and lock ourselves up in, 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 in the upper room. God never intended us to lock ourselves up for me, myself, and I that we can get better. He gave us grace and he gave us the Holy Spirit that we may be salt and light to a world that needs it. We'll deal with that before we close. So I go to Mexico, took Jeremy there one time. And, and, and the girls were going through this. If you walk down the streets, they're everywhere. These vendors are everywhere. 
And they'll go, and they'll always want to say something, always. And, and I told Gail, I said, don't make eye contact. Just don't do it. Just, you know. Don't, here's some good information. Don't ever take an eight-year-old to the dog pound and say, we're not bringing home a puppy. And four dogs later, we're making up stories how we're going to tell his mother we didn't bring home a dog, see? So, so I told her, so don't make eye contact. So we're going down the street and sidewalk, and I'm not telling you it's the best environment. I'm just telling you we're trying to get to a Harley-Davidson shop or we're trying to get to a wash place. Really, really, that's just the way it is. And, and so when we took Jeremy, it was really funny. The girl's up there shopping, and this guy, this guy, hey, buddy. And I'm not even looking. He goes, hey, he goes, he goes, hey buddy, you need a cigar? And I said, I'm good. He goes, hey, buddy, you need a cigarette? I said, no, I'm good. I mean, there's people everywhere, and, he, and he's whispering to you. I mean, I'm sitting there trying to look at my wife, and, he, and he's about this tall. He goes, hey, buddy. He said, you need some cocaine? I said, I'm good. You know, I'm not even looking at him. And he said, uh, hey, you need something to make you sleep? I said, I'm good. He said, you need something to keep you awake? And I looked at him, I said, hey, I got Jesus. And I mean, without any hesitation, he goes, hey, buddy, you need a Bible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got it all. <laughs> when you're really, when the blood of Christ has set you free, pay attention. You can go anywhere, in any environment, in any situation and come through that thing untouched because it's not your willpower. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He's giving you the ability to invade different territories and dominions and proving to yourself that on your own, in your own weaknesses, you might have failed to a cigar, a cigarette, cocaine, things that make you sleep and things that make you awake. I don't know. But I will tell you, in all those things, you can always say, I'm full, I'm good, because it's Christ in me. And Paul said, you don't have to be afraid of going into the world and something spooky happening to you. You don't have to be afraid. Now, I'm not telling you to tempt yourself. I'm not telling you to go down to do anything. I'm not going to talk about this because we have kids here. I'm just telling you, you don't have to walk in fear of something jumping on you and invading your life. I'm just telling you, don't worry about, be, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow them to put you in a, in a box and a position where you have to check every box and get it right. Be transformed. Let something that's from beyond and above do something in your life. Have integrity. Have honesty. Have humility. Have a sense of respect. Be obedient. Have moral standards. Leave a healthy tip your server when you go out to eat. Nothing is more damaging to the Christian witness when you leave one dollar and you should have left 15. Really? Because generosity is only a sign that you've overcome greed. So what I tell you this morning, how can I go into the world and, and how can I be in the world and not be of it? You can't. The Christ in you can. Christian maturity doesn't reach maturity until it re-enters the world and embraces it again. 
not in worldliness and ungodly patterns, but as salt and light and living in the theater and arena that this world is God's redemptive plan for humanity. Now leave that up for a moment. So I want you to look at this. Anybody here ever been hooked to alcohol? Just say amen. I won't look. Drug addiction. When you first get delivered from this stuff, mine was a little anger <clears throat> and some other things. Now, when you first when you first read this, you're thinking, "Oh my God, what is he saying that that we should go back into the world, and embrace it?" Because what happens is when we first get saved and we, and we get free from certain addictions, we're, we are thinking that we're going to lapse back into that. And I've never been to a meeting in my life. But I will tell you one thing in the nicest way. I appreciate all meetings and people do all kinds of things. I'm thankful for that. But I'll tell you that there's only one that can make you free. Now, these other things may be steps to the top. But I will tell you, once Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed by the Holy Spirit. So you kind of get this idea, oh my gosh, I, can't, I cannot go back into that because if I go back into that, I may relapse. Here's the good news. You're not going to relapse. I'm not? I'm not giving you a license to go back and do stupid things, but I'm going to tell you this. The spiritual maturity will never reach maturity until you go back to the world and embrace it. Not with ungodly habits and worldly patterns, but with light, salt, hope, confidence, love, peace, righteousness, joy, understanding, patience, gentleness. Jesus left his home in glory to come to a world that hated him because the world needed what he had to offer. And you will never reach spiritual maturity until, watch this, until you leave the upper room hiding. Now, one thing about the upper room is I got to go, but one thing about the upper room is they were hiding. You don't know that. Some of you Pentecost, any guy Pentecost here, raise your hand. Oh, that's why we're having trouble with you people. You think they're spiritual. Here's what you think was happening. Oh, brother, I got a great idea. For once in your life, let's hear it. Let's go to the upper room. Let's get together. Let's join hands. Let's sing one song and, and something wonderful happened. That is not what happened. They're hiding in terror. They're underground, behind closed doors. And the Holy Spirit began to fall upon these people. And watch this. And not only did it fall there, but the Holy Spirit kicked down the door, busted out the windows, and the Spirit of God made it to the streets. You'll never be mature if you just think that your spiritual maturity is here. Because it's not. 
This is a part of it. But I found real maturity when I can make my way back to the streets and I can demonstrate the love of God to people that probably needs to know the love of God. You understand that? So I told you one time, and I'm going to go close your Bibles. That the second cruise we were on, we had to sit with the table with a bunch of other people. That's just what they do. Now then we don't do that because we, we learned, but you said a big old table. And they were all old, older. They weren't as old as Danny, but a little younger than Sherry. I mean, they were all old. And they were well-dressed. They were well-dressed. And there was about eight of them or six or eight of them. And, and they had a glass of wine or whatever they had. They were, they were, I mean, big diamonds. They were very dressed up. And so they sent us there. So we was talking to them. And, you know, I don't talk much, but Gail's like, you know, she's talking to these people. And they're very nice. You could tell they were business people. And so the lady said, would you like to have something to drink? And, and I said, I'm good. I'll drink water. And she, she said, but she said, oh, they'll just give you the champagne and wine. And I said, I'm good. I'm good. And so they're talking about something, just talking about something in the conversation. He said, what do you do? You know, talking about Gaylord. She said, well, I run a daycare and you can hear him talking. And, and she said, are you sure you don't want something to drink? I said, hey, I'm, I'm good with water. I'm good. So they kind of rocked along there and they were, they were drinking wine or what they're doing. They, they weren't obnoxious. They were just good sipping saints, whatever they were. I don't know. A good Episcopal, I guess. I don't know if there is a good Episcopal. I'm sure there is somewhere. I'll look that up. And so about 15 minutes into the dinner, we was talking about something. And this, and this guy said, hey, buddy, so listen, if, you, if you're broke, I'll, I'll buy you a glass of booze or whatever. He said, Jack Daniel. I said, listen, I said, I appreciate that. I said, I haven't drank since 1980. And they looked at me and, and she said, well, good for you. Are you still going to meetings? <laughs> and I said, kind of. And I said, we're pastors of a church for 32 years. Got a wonderful congregation. And I said, we gave our heart to Christ in 1980. And it changed my life. And he said, how come you quit drinking? I said, because drinking made me become somebody I didn't want to be. And what was so funny about that? I just said it so calmly. And the guy come by to pour her wine. She goes, oh, we're good now. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I said, listen, listen, you do what you want to do. I'm just glad to be able to sit and visit with you. And you know what? I didn't judge them. I didn't ridicule them. We didn't make them feel bad. All we did is became salt and light. And for the next five days, we see him on the ship and they go, there's the preacher. So I'm just telling you this morning, there's no boxes to check, Jamie. There's not a bunch of rules and regulations here. What there is, my whole desire is to help God transform you, Rachel and Philip, on the inside. Rachel, I thought about you. One year ago, you got baptized in the lake and you're still here. Thank you. And I pray that God is continuing to do something on your inside that eventually all of us will make its way to the outside. So when you leave this church, 
Let's ask God to transform us. Help us to have honesty, humility, integrity, obedience, and moral conduct. Father, this morning I'm asking you to do something that is only you can do. Religion can help me with the externals, but they know nothing about the internals. But the Holy Spirit does. He knows everything what goes on inside of me. That's where I need the help. And I just pray this morning, wherever we go and whatever we do, we're going to hear voices. They'll say, hey, buddy, how about this? And how about that? And how about this? And, and I'm just so thankful, Father, that you've given me the strength and the grace to say I'm good. This morning, Calvary Christian Fellowship, we have not been called to conform to religion. We've been called to be transformed across into the nature of the mind of Christ, metamorphosis, to evolve, to develop, to change. And some of you are new at this and you've only been began six months ago or a year ago, but it's all right. You're developing, you're changing. You're constantly moving. The process of evolution is taking place inside your, your spirit man and your mind. You become more like Jesus, more patient and more sensitive to the needs of others. The Father, the true litmus test is that we've got to go back into the world and embrace the world with love and patience and consideration that they just need to know you. We've been called to be witnesses. Give us the strength to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. With nobody looking around for a few moments for communion servers, communion servers, come on and come. I'm just going to ask you just a couple straight questions. We're not going to ask you to check a box. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to fill out a form of what your outwardly conditions have been this week. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm just going to ask you this question. Is something changing on your inside? Is something happening on the inside? Are you changing across into something else, specifically the nature of Christ. Some of you here, you've had enough rules and regulations crammed down your throat to check a live mule, to choke a live mule. I'm just asking you, is there something going on on your inside? You're a little more kinder. You're a little more sensitive. You're a little more gentle. You're a little more understanding. You're a little more forgiving. And if there is, God is at work in your life. And he's changing you into the expressed image 
of an invisible God. We've got to go back to the world, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to embrace the world, folks. We just can't lock ourselves up on 4th Street in this church. We've got to go to the highways and we've got to go to the hedges and we've got to compel men and women, boys and girls, that there's been an invitation of Christ the King and that's the good news. Two thousand years ago, our Savior sat with his disciples that had no idea what they were about to fulfill, but he did. Little did they realize they were going to leave the comforts of their own company and be thrusted out into the world. They were despisers of God and haters of Christ. But what was about to happen in their life would give them sustaining power to endure every hardship they ever faced. They were transformed. They wasn't good Jewish boys. They were great men of God. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, in the Old Testament for 1,500 years, you've been observing the covenant of Passover, the breaking of the bread. But he said, now then, I am the bread of life that was sent down from heaven. And whosoever eateth this bread will never hunger again. He took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the covenant of the Lamb's blood. The blood of the Lamb was shed. They would take it in the shape of a cross upon the door. And that night, the death angel would pass over because he would see the blood on the doorpost. Jesus said, I am the, the Lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth for the forgiveness of sin. And my blood will be placed in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you eat of this bread, as often as you celebrate this cup, remember me. It will remind you of me. So, Father, this morning, as we leave out of this place, we're going to need more than a couple songs. We're going to need more than a couple check boxes to help us. The job we're going to go to tomorrow, we're going to need more than, than a nice joke and a, and, a, and a neat poem. We are going to need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. These men that are facing surgeries, these men are facing absolutely dreaded things in the medical terms. They're going to need more than just a handshake and a hug. They are going to need the embodiment of the Holy Spirit living in them. Thank you for that. Bless this cup. Bless this bread. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And all those that are being transformed, said amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise offering, huh?